Christmas glory for those who have eyes to see it. There's probably a lot of visitors, but in our church we're working through a three-part series. This is the third. Christmas glory and our highest purpose and destiny. And I couldn't think of a better verse for a gathering like this on Christmas Eve than one you can probably say with me. You'll probably say it in the old King James, and that's fine. For all, if, you, if you can't say it, don't be embarrassed. But if you know the verse, say this with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's that last phrase that intrigues me and I want to talk about tonight. Shall not perish, but have eternal life, ESV. I want to go through various passages in John's Gospel to figure out exactly what that term eternal life means. We sing about it. We talk about it. We say Jesus came to offer eternal life. What is it? What is eternal life? It's not often we celebrate Christmas Eve on a Sunday, and I suppose it has its inconvenient elements to it. But when Christmas is so deeply anchored to God's plan to freely extend eternal life, it seems just almost mathematically appropriate to gather around this great Christmas text on the day recognized throughout the history of the church as celebrative of our Lord's resurrection from the dead. And so you kind of get Christmas full cycle when we celebrate Christmas Eve on the Lord's Day. Jesus himself identifies the true meaning of Christmas in John 10.10 when he said this, I came, that's Christmas, I came, the incarnation, the baby in the manger. I came, why? That they may have life and have it abundantly. Eternal life. It is so bound up with Christmas, it is Christ's aim for everyone at Christmas. It's our aim at Cedarview that everyone has eternal life through Jesus Christ, God the Son. It's our aim in this service that you have eternal life. It's our aim because Jesus said that's the whole reason he came. We want you to have eternal life. We want you to know that you have eternal life. We want you to relish and enjoy eternal life. And we want you to share the hope of eternal life with all sorts of people this Christmas season because he said that if he was lifted up, he would draw people to himself. If someone asked you, do you know what eternal life is? I mean, do you really know? Is it just unending life? When is it experienced? How is it experienced? How can you know if you actually possess it? I think every Christian and everyone considering Christianity should know the answer to those questions. They're the most important questions in the whole world. 
There's nothing else that you're thinking about, nothing else that you're wondering about, nothing else that you're inquisitive about that is even close to the importance of those questions. We're going to walk through, it's not a good term probably, but as you work through some verses in John's Gospel, stages, aspects of eternal life. I have about six of them. One. Eternal life has its source in Jesus Christ, God the Son. This is the only starting place. If you're going to think properly about the Christian life at all, you you have to begin with a proper understanding of the basics. None of us is too mature to rethink these things. Please remember this great central tenet of our teaching tonight. Jesus Christ, God the Son, is the source of eternal life. Here's what I mean by that. I mean eternal life is not something any one of us has by nature. By that I mean eternal life is not merely sort of the human spirit. Or some aspect of inner human potential. No matter how good no matter how brilliant, no matter how humanitarian, no matter how moral, no one on this planet, no one on this planet ever has or ever will have eternal life in himself or in herself. In, in one of the great Christmas chapters of the Bible, the first chapter of the Gospel of John, John lays some key central truths about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And one of the first things he says in John 1, 4, he says, in, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. In, in him was life. And it makes you ask, what can John mean when he says that life was in Jesus Christ? Don't we all have life? You're sitting here tonight... I'm sitting here, standing here. We're breathing, aren't we? I mean, we aren't physically dead. We aren't corpses. We're all alive. So, so in what sense was John saying something unique about Jesus when he said, when he said, in, in him was life? And, and how is... How is the fact that life was in Jesus, how is that relevant to to us? In another place, in John's Gospel, he says, For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son, that's Jesus. He gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And I guess the key words are those words, in himself. They're they're repeated in both reference to the Father and the Son. So I I take that to mean that they have, in themselves, they have life in a way that I, I don't. And you don't. It's our whole problem. We don't have life in ourselves. We all we have is sort of limited life. 
limited, limited continuous existence. That's what we have. Now what the Father and the Son have, we do not have. They have this capacity for ongoing self-existence. We have temporary dependent existence. But you know how it works. Even if we enjoy good health, we grow old, we die. In terms of our earthly existence, we just, we just stop breathing. We, we leave our bodies. There's absolutely nothing we can do about this because we don't have life in ourselves. So Jesus Christ, this text says, has, has eternal life as a feature of his own existence. But there's something else. The Father has ordained the Son to be the avenue. If, if we're going to get eternal life, how, how will that happen? The Father has ordained the Son to be the avenue, the means, the provider of eternal life to this fallen world. Really, the Bible couldn't be clearer. In 1 John 5, 11 and 12, we read these words. And the testimony, notice that official sounding word, the testimony, is this. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. That was our first point. He who, he who has the Son has life. He who does, does not have the Son, apparently that's a possibility. Some people have the Son, some people don't. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So, so this is the place to start when you think about God's destiny for us through Jesus Christ and how it relates to Christmas. This is the goal of the, the incarnation. God taking on flesh in that baby. God, God wants to give us something. God wants to give us perishing sinful mortals who don't have life in themselves, he wants to give us eternal life. And so the first thing we need to understand about eternal life, if we're going to start defining it, zeroing in on it, thinking about it, if it's going to be more than just some religious cliche with all the edges worn off, the first thing we need to know is and the first point of this teaching is eternal life has its source in Jesus Christ. We don't possess it in ourselves. And if we're going to possess it, we're going to have to come to Jesus Christ to receive it. The second point. We receive eternal life by being linked to Jesus Christ, God the Son, through what the New Testament calls belief in him. Jesus gives a picture. He, that concept of, of believing. It's more than just believing he existed or believing he was born. He, he, he zooms in to help us understand what believing in him is 
all about. In, in John 15, 5, Jesus is the speaker. The baby, grown up, says this. I, I am the vine. It's quite a statement. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. Apart from me, so, so belief, belief has to do with being in him as opposed to apart from him. Not everybody is in him. Some people are apart from him. And apart from me, he says, you can do nothing. Through knowing the truth about who Jesus is, knowing the truth about why he came, and then, and then relying on, loving, embracing that he did this for you. What Jesus says is that, that somehow we end up connected, linked up with the life of Jesus Christ. Remember, he has eternal life in himself. And, and Jesus says, think of, think of a vine that's attached, a branch that's attached to a vine. And the life of the vine starts to flow into the branches. So, so, so as we are linked to Christ through personal agreement, understanding, agreement, reliance, his, his eternal life, that life that he has in himself, it gets credited. It gets applied. It's made transforming in our own natures. It's a real thing. And please notice, according to Jesus, this isn't my idea, according to Jesus, there's no one else to whom we can go for eternal life. No other religious leader or prophet or teacher has eternal life to give. In, in him was life. In John 15, Jesus is not merely talking about the transference of ideas, knowing something about the Lord's Prayer, being able to recite some of the Sermon on the Mount, liking the idea that do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He's not talking about just a philosophy. He's talking about him being the source of life, eternal life. That, that's what a branch receives from a vine. Branch and a vine doesn't just receive information about botany. What it receives is the life of the vine. And what we are supposed to receive from Jesus is not just religious terminology or ideas, but the life of Christ. Point number three. Eternal life is nourished and sustained by feeding on the word of God. In John 6, 68, Simon Peter's talking to Jesus and, and, and says to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? And then he says something interesting. He says, you, you have the words of eternal life. Words. That's very important. Here we see that eternal life is, is somehow further nourished by the words of Jesus Christ. His teaching sustains and feeds eternal life. Jesus, Peter calls Jesus' words 
Words of eternal life. Of course, eternal life is more than just words. It's more than just print on paper. We just talked about the branch and the vine. So we've seen how eternal life comes from being linked to Jesus Christ, God the Son, through faith and trust and devotion. But, but your mind, my mind, we can't believe what it has no knowledge of. Your heart can't embrace a, a vacuum. There needs to be truth content. Peter says, Lord, there's no, there's no one... There's no one else to go to because, because you have the words of eternal life. There were all sorts of scribes and Pharisees and teachers and prophets and leaders. There were all sorts of religions all over the place. Christianity was born into a world full of religions. And then Peter says, but there's no one else to go to if you want eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. Now Peter wasn't being silly here. He knew there was much truth in the world that isn't directly linked to facts about Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't teach Peter how to fish. Jesus didn't teach Matthew how to collect taxes. So when Peter says that only Jesus had the truth, words of eternal life, he's, he's talking about eternal life. Nobody but Jesus could teach them about eternal life. No one but Jesus could teach them how to receive eternal life. Nobody but Jesus could draw their hearts toward eternal life. If eternal life is what you're interested in, you don't have multiple sources. Point number four. Eternal life brings about a present knowledge of God and his Son in personal experience. Jesus talked again about Christmas and why he came in what's called his, his prayer, his prayer to the Father in John chapter 17. And, and he says this. He says, this is eternal life that they may know you. Not, not know about you. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is a, it's a, a personal, intimate knowing of God. It doesn't exist in your being sort of unconsciously. It's not like a, a vaccination against smallpox. I had one of those when I was in grade four. I've never thought about it again. Eternal life isn't like that. E- eternal life is, is, is... You begin to love and know God. You start to prize and treasure different things. You start to sense the emptiness and the triteness of many things that you used to treasure. You see how transient all the things of this world really are. That's what John meant earlier in remarks we've already looked at when he said, in him was life and the life was the light of men. So so eternal life, it, it sheds light on knowing God. 
you, you start to see things you didn't see before. You start to love things you didn't care about before. You want to see how the Apostle Paul talks about eternal life without ever using those words? He says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord as Jesus Christ. Listen, are being transformed into the same image from, from one degree of glory to another. See, beholding the glory of the Lord. That's Paul's way of saying what John meant when he said, whoever believes in him has eternal life. Values get changed. You, you have, you have a, a deep, fresh, personal apprehension of, of God. Before you may have had some thoughts. You may have had some ideas. You may have included these thoughts in what you would call your philosophy of life. But, but that's not what John says eternal life is all about. Eternal life brings the light of a personal knowledge of God into your heart through Jesus Christ. It's not a religious thing. It's a personal thing. Five. I have wonderful Christmas news in the last two points. Eternal life is not suspended or interrupted at death. Here are the words of Jesus to Martha. All these are in John's Gospel. The words of Jesus to Martha as he is about to raise her brother Lazarus from the dead. And, and, and Jesus speaks to Martha and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me Will, will live even if he dies. And, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he says, do you believe this? Of course, people die physically. People do experience death in this world. Lazarus died twice. But I think what Jesus means in these words is this. We're talking about eternal life. Everyone who has eternal life through belief in Jesus Christ and trust in Jesus Christ and devotion to Jesus Christ, everyone who has that will, will never have that life stripped away from him or her ever. In, in other words... Eternal life never becomes temporary life. Eternal life never turns into temporary life. Nothing, not even death itself, can take eternal life from those who are united to Christ. Point number six. 
Eternal life will be manifested in its complete and final form when our bodies are raised from their graves at the second coming of Christ. The Bible actually speaks about this final phase as being, as being the completion of eternal life begun right here and now in this earthly life. John's Gospel again. In John 6.40, Jesus says, And this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son, remember Paul's words, beholding, are transformed, believing. Everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And, and I love the way he says it, I myself will raise him up on the last day. I myself will raise him up on the last day. Note those words. No doubt, if you're here and you've known Jesus, you have eternal life in your heart, no doubt he's done many wonderful things for you in this earthly life. But one of the greatest things he will do for you is still in the future, and he's going to do it for you while you are physically unable to ask him to do it. He is going to raise you up. I myself will do it, Jesus said. Did you catch catch the way Jesus referred to himself in those words to Martha? Where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the only one who can identify himself like this. And you can see the aspect of eternal life that he's thinking about. He's laboring to make himself absolutely clear. There were many times when he called himself the life, but that's not what he does here. He's not just the life, he's the resurrection and the life. This is Christmas destiny. This is God's highest purpose in the babe in the manger. Never make it smaller. Never make it sentimental. Eternal life is now and it's forever and ever. That's what's at stake. Does all of this excite you? Does it make you uneasy? Does it fill you with joy? Does it make you tremble? God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him. Should not perish. But have everlasting life. Notice the way that's put together. Shall not perish. But have everlasting life. Now believers in Jesus do still die. So it's not talking about physical death there. Whoever believes in him should not perish. There's something worse than just dying. There's being eternally lost. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's God's greatest Christmas gift to people who put their trust in him. Let's pray.